any opportunity from something small for your child to demonstrate what they love and what they're good at, even through just conversation, is a deposit in the bank of their well-being. Anytime that you can facilitate that is time well spent. I'm Debbie Reber and welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. If you're parenting a neurodivergent kid, you probably have a lot of experience getting feedback about your child in IEP meetings, parent teacher conferences from therapists, neuropsychs, school counselors. And so often this feedback is highlighting what's hard or challenging and what needs to be improved, which honestly can leave us feeling drained, discouraged, and overwhelmed. If you relate to this experience in any way, you will appreciate today's conversation with Dr. Jade Rivera, as she is going to talk with us about a new way she and her team are providing feedback with a completely different and much more positive and optimistic focus. Jade is the lab director for the new Strengths-Based Assessment Lab at Bridges Graduate School, which uses the suite of tools developed by twice-exceptional thought leaders Dr. Susan Baum and Dr. Robin Shader to identify what a child likes, loves, and excels at. The goal of the lab is to empower students, families, educators, and professionals in creating positive and collaborative learning experiences for children facing challenges in their educational environments. So today, Jade talks with us about her work and the Strengths-Based Assessment Lab, what a Strengths-Based Assessment is and how it's conducted, what differentiates a strength from a talent, and how to encourage our kids to pursue their interests without putting pressure on them to live up to our idea of potential. We also talked about how to get strength-based goals incorporated in IEPs and how to approach meetings when we are trying to shift the focus to our child's strengths. I had a chance to meet Jade a few years back during an event at Bridges Academy, and she is just such a passionate professional in the gifted and twice exceptional space. She has over 15 years experience designing and leading micro schools beloved by our quirky and sensitive kids, which uniquely positions her to provide insights into positive niche construction and talent development for neurodivergent kids. She earned her EDD at Bridges Graduate School of Cognitive Diversity in 2022 and she's stayed on as a professor, supporting others as they envision a strength-based world for neurodivergent humans everywhere. I, of course, love this focus on strengths, as I believe so deeply that this is what we want to put most of our energy into when it comes to helping our kids truly know themselves and create lives they love. I hope you find this an inspiring conversation too. Hey, Jade, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's great to have you on the show. We met many years ago now. At, I think we first met at Bridges Academy, which I know is a very important place in your world and part of your work. When I first knew of you, it was your work surrounding Sunnyside Micro School. But I know that you have been expanding and growing your work and your focus over the years, and you're doing such cool work, especially in the twice exceptionality space. So just kind of introduce us to you in terms of your evolution and what you're really excited about doing right now. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Gosh. (laughs) Big question. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So I have spent most of my adult life working with twice exceptional children in an education capacity. I'm known for designing and launching and leading small learning environments, small strength-based learning environments for 2E children in the Bay Area, known as micro schools. And that was work that I loved to do. I think I did it for about 17 years. I actually graduated college as a chemist. And I had a career, a long, successful career, well, long for your 20s, successful career as a chemist. And but just was ultimately unfulfilled there and wanted to find a change. I I realized that my heart was really in working socially and, and for positive change. And so I found myself at a small alternative school with two E children, though, though they weren't called that. And just really fell in love with the population and a way of educating that was fun, enriching, intriguing, and creative, and just never left. So that's what I did for quite a long time. And I wrote a book about it. And I had a blog for a long time. And I still speak about um, that work occasionally and, and write on Substack about it. And it's actually what I completed my dissertation on through Bridges Graduate School of Cognitive Diversity And now what I'm really proud of and what I'm really excited about is um, being a faculty member at the graduate school and also the director of our strength-based assessment lab. Very cool. And your Substack, I spent a little time poking around on that. And I would definitely encourage listeners to to read. I really enjoyed the writing and just the way you think about project-based learning and strengths-based learning is just uh, very fascinating and very resonant for this community. You mentioned that the work you're most excited about right now is being the lab director for the Strengths-Based Assessment Lab at Bridges Graduate School. When I first heard of this, it was completely new to me. And I know that it is new to the world. So I'd love if you could tell us what is that lab? What is the goal for the lab? What are you doing there? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for asking. So the Strength-Based Assessment Lab is part of the Bridges Graduate School of Cognitive Diversity. And what we're offering through the lab is a strength-based assessment called the Suite of Tools, which is a set of interview-based assessments that were developed by everyone's favorite, Dr. Susan Baum, as well as Dr. Robin Shader and some of Susan's other colleagues. And this is a field-tested methodology that definitely comes out of the thinking and the research and the philosophy of Renzulli at UConn. And what we do is we speak with the child, we speak with the caregivers of the child and the education and non-education related professionals in the child's life to talk about times of personal best, you know, when is this child thriving, under what conditions, what are some of their environmental obstacles to success, what's holding them back. What are our dreams and hopes for the potential of this child? You know, not just from the caregivers and from the adults' perspective, but from the child's perspective themselves. And we do this in a really engaging way that children seem to really enjoy. And then a case manager who has been trained through the graduate school, oftentimes it's myself, but I do have colleagues that I work with, take all of that information and we present it back to the same stakeholders in that child's life. And then we work with them to brainstorm strength-based solutions and opportunities and talent development opportunities for that that are unique to that child's specific profile. 
And the procedure itself, it's so interesting because just the conversations that we have with families are rather transformative. Just because having an hour um, to speak with somebody who understands these things and, and who is interested in what your child loves and what's going right in their life and what they're good at is incredibly healing. It's just not something that a lot of these families have an opportunity to engage in. And then you get our expert perspectives and suggestions on the ways to contribute to their well-being in accordance with their like highest and best selves and who we all know that they're capable of being. And it's just like, wow, you know, it's absolute wow. And, and so, so back to the process a little bit, we present this case back to the people and we brainstorm these solutions. Then we take our additional expertise and provide more recommendations about TUI friendly learning environments, as they're often spoken about by Dr. Baum and other professionals associated with the graduate school. We talk about what we could do more of or less of in terms of educational practices in the classroom, in the learning environment, in the homeschool, wherever the child is learning. And then we speak specifically about talent development, which is something that we feel strongly about. We know that every child has something that they're good at and something that they love to do as well. And creating opportunities for that talent to expand and to grow and to evolve really is front and center, definitely for all children's well-being. But we know that it's specifically important for the self-concept and the self-esteem and the evolution of a twice exceptional child or a neurodivergent child. So that's the process. We're very proud of it. When you enroll in the Bridges Graduate School of Cognitive Diversity, you're trained in this method. And then also families come to us from outside of the graduate school to receive the assessment through our professionals. In some ways, what we're doing here, I think like the world of twice exceptional families really sees Bridges as this like North Star, you know, of education environments, as they should, as education environments for twice exceptional children. And in some ways, we're lifting the veil on that. And we're offering this experience that Bridges children do get as part of their enrollment through the schools. We're sort of lifting the veil on that process and bringing it to families who, you know, can't move to Los Angeles or cannot participate in the online school due to various reasons. It's so funny because it's really hard work. It takes a lot of focus and intention and individualization, but it's just so incredibly satisfying. We get into these meetings with families and, you know, it's like people are teary-eyed, but like out of happiness and joy. And in our feedback forms, we ask for information. We ask for the child's perspective on the process and They're always like, this was fun. Can I talk to Jade again? What's next in the process? I want more of this. And yeah, I'm really thrilled for pretty much any opportunity to speak about it. And we're really, we're very proud of it. I mean, listeners, if you could see Jade's face right now, like it's so obvious how much you love doing this work. You have the biggest smile on your face. Joy is what I'm reading. And that is really cool. And what an incredible opportunity for kids. So just some clarifying questions. This is not to replace a neuropsych evaluation. Can you talk about that relationship? 
So we take that data, we've, that data, if you have it, is very useful. We appreciate when families share that data with us. And we triangulate that with our interview-based process. And it does allow us to offer even more targeted recommendations. And also, if a family doesn't have those things, it's okay. Like We can still do a really great job with our recommendations, particularly because our case managers and myself have been working with these children for a very, very long time. And we've kind of seen it all, you know, at least I I know that I have seen it all. So (laughs) we're able to bring that perspective to the table. And but this is not to replace a neuropsych whatsoever. And in some ways, I would say that this works in concert with the IEP process. IEPs tend, you know, even though they're not really supposed to be, they do tend to skew towards a deficit-based model and put a lot of the onus on the child in terms of them changing rather than the environment, which is a complete departure from what we're advocating for. We're talking about setting the child up for success in environments with people who are bringing in the elements that are going to support this child's strengths and talents and and really offering support in that manner through those avenues. So, so while I understand and while we understand that there are serious concerns that often need to be addressed therapeutically or in, in one way or another, that's not what we're about. We're really about looking at what's right about the child, what's good about the child, what's possible for the child. And from my point of view, that's the avenue through which to inspire betterment regardless. But, you know, that's not really what we're here to talk about. (laughs) Awesome. I have more clarifying questions and we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. I love a good podcast, as you know, and I'm always happy to share resources for parents who are looking for creative, smart content that both entertains and offers enrichment for curious kids everywhere. So I'm happy to let you know about this awesome new show from the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, The Adventurous World of Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. 
The series explores themes that kids like ours love, like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more. And episodes transport kids into iconic periods in history like Pythagoras's Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England. So cool. New episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a perfect length for those car rides, for meal times, for break times, and bedtimes. What I love about this show is that it's kind of like listening to a book on tape. The story is captivating and includes lots of problems listeners can try to solve. The voice actors are fantastic, and the math concepts are seamlessly weaved into the narrative. It's exactly the kind of show Ash would have loved a few years ago, especially during our homeschool years, because finding that perfect blend of entertaining and educating, it isn't always easy. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Another question I have is just regarding the ages of these kids. So I might be wrong. I think Bridges is middle school, high school. Do I have that right? Or do you know how? That's correct. Yeah. So is there an age that is ideal for this type of assessment? It's so interesting when we get into conversations about ages for twice successional children, because it's sort of like you've got three or four in one, right? True. <laughs> and, so, and so, yeah, I used to joke when I was when I was still leading the learning environment, which was, you know, we'd have 10 to 15 twice exceptional kids in a classroom. And I'd be like, but really, we have 40, you know, so... So if you think about it that way, it kind of communicates the challenge. But regardless, the ones that would benefit most from this process are the ones who are able to express themselves about their wants and their needs and their desires and their interests. And so I've met four-year-olds that can do that. And I've met 12-year-olds who can't yet, who are still working on, on that self-advocacy as a skill. That said, we speak to the child's support network and we're able to gather that data through lots of through lots of our interactions and we know the right questions to ask. And so I would say it's it's appropriate for a range of ages. We tend to attract kids who would be considered, you know, second graders, third graders, fourth graders through high school. And um, because the recommendations are in, entirely tailored to that child or that family's unique constellation of needs, we find things, we find opportunities, we create suggestions, no matter where the child is at in terms of their development. So, so like most questions related to twice exceptional children, it depends. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And I love how you said 40 ages for 10 kids. I want to talk a little bit more about this idea of talent development and the relationship or the difference between strengths and talents. And then I also wonder about this idea of passion, right? Which I know there was a phase. I think the phase is kind of over, but maybe I'm wrong there where it was like, our kids need to have a passion. They need to have a passion. And then the conversation changed. Like that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid to identify a passion. So I'd love to know about this idea of strengths, talents, passion, like how do they work together? How do you define those? Right. So there's multiple ways in which to think about these things. And I don't know that any one is better than the other, but and my thinking has evolved on these things as I've encountered more research, had more conversations with colleagues, my own experience, and, and sort of integrating those three things. 
And I would say that a strength, and this is in alignment with Sandra Kay's work in talent development, which she has a great book out about talent development that I definitely suggest people take a look at if you're interested in pursuing this further. She's also a faculty member at Bridges Graduate School. So a little plug there. You really, when you come to this graduate school, you really get to learn from the best and the brightest in the field. It's just what an honor and opportunity for people. I'll answer your question, which is that a strength, (laughs) a strength to me, based on all that stuff I just listed, is really about how does a child love to spend their time? What do they derive joy from as compared to themselves, right? From their own sort of loci of control or focus. Whereas a talent is really as compared to others their age or others in their sort of realm of performance, So a talent is a strength performed in some ways. However, we know that you might have a strength in music or or writing or, or math or STEM subjects, but you also might have a character strength, right? You also might be like particularly empathetic or particularly generous or have leadership capabilities or be creative in one way or another. And so all of that is data that we gather through our assessment and we're able to make recommendations about ways to support that strength so that their your child's best self can really shine in, in whatever milieu or whatever environment that they're in. And then with talents, we're speaking specifically, you know, what is this child good at performing? And that word performing is like so loaded. We're not talking about competition. We're not talking about comparing one child to another in terms of who's best or or any of that. That's in there, you know, absolutely. But that's not that's not the sort of like pressureful um, energy that we're trying to bring to this. Instead, we're trying to give them opportunities to have deliberate practice, to learn from masters in the field, to be with people who are interested in the same things as them so that they can push each other, inspire each other, collaborate, and develop those talents in those ways. So it's an important distinction. Maybe it's a small distinction, but I think it's important to note. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned character strengths, because I think even when we talk about strengths-based assessment, that's not where my mind went. I went to, as you were talking about strengths in, in math or science or visual spatial, we think about those things. So is there anything that you want to add about that character strength piece and how you go about identifying those? There's, of course, the strengths finder assessment, and there are lots of tools. Do you incorporate those? We do not incorporate the strengths finder, although that is a great tool and it's, and it's wonderful. And if a family brought that to us, we would love that, you know, but really those things come to be known through our conversations and through the questions that we ask through our assessment process and stories that families share. And yeah, so, so while we do definitely pay attention to those strengths, as you mentioned, visual, spatial, math, whatnot, those character strengths are in there as well. And I think what happens, like true magic happens, right? When we marry those two things and, and create opportunities for them to be known and to show themselves. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to talk about this word of potential, which is keeps popping into my head. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll get into that. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. 
But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. With the gifted and two population this idea of potential is kind of out there, right? Especially for parents raising these kids, we see this potential. There's a lot of talk about our kids living up to our potential. And that's something I, as a parent, personally have tried to take off the table because that can be in a tremendous amount of pressure. How do you navigate this idea of talent development and really understanding strengths and supporting someone and moving in that direction without placing this pressure on them to reach a certain potential? Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I think it's incredibly important conversation to have. We're talking about the overall well-being of a child, of your child, of a child. And to me, what contributes most to the overall well-being of a child is having opportunities to show the world what you love, what you're good at, what you enjoy doing, and receive recognition for that. And that can be at the school play, that can be at Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, that can be in the living room for your grandparents. But really, it's about having that audience and being known for what you're good at and what you love to do, and receiving some form of love and recognition in return for that self-expression. Every human in the world wants to express themselves. You know, I think it's front and center of what makes us unique as a species. And, and so providing opportunities to do so, 
I think, is what contributes to the overall well-being and development of a child. It's not about, you know, getting on America's Got Talent or receiving the big award. All those things are great if that's the goal of the of the child, if they're driven for that. And some of them very much are, you know, but that's not the destination, right? The destination is fulfillment. It's self-actualization. It's knowing what it feels like to receive, yeah, like I think I've said the word recognition, to be recognized, to be known, to be seen, you know, those are the things that that we want more of for these children as appropriate to their nervous system, you know, because we know that that's another aspect of this as well as for some children, it's, it's just going to be the grandparents or the parents or their brothers and sisters in the room. That's what their nervous system can handle. And for others, as we mentioned, those are the ones that are, you know, want to take it further and wider. Yeah, I love that. And I'm thinking of a conversation I had with Dr. Devin McEachern many years ago, who does neuropsych specifically for twice exceptional kids. And that's one of the things she talks about is our kids for them to understand their strengths. Ideally, that's where where they're going to spend their time. Like we all as humans want to spend most of our time in our zone of genius, not doing things that make us feel bad about ourselves. So that makes total sense. I guess I want to ask like a very practical question for listeners who are thinking, okay, this sounds amazing. How would a parent of a child get started working with a lab? What does that look like? I'm sure there's a cost associated with it. You don't have to tell us exact numbers, but can you kind of walk through that process for us? Yeah, absolutely. So what you would do is you would reach out to me. So I imagine maybe you'll put my email in the show notes when this comes out, we'll have our updated website. So you can email me directly. You can contact us through our website and I will answer any questions you have about the process and our availability for the process. It is a process. It takes, you know, a couple of months because we gather a lot of data and um, really we, we want to get everybody's perspective. And so scheduling is a bottleneck for these things. And also we're very available and very there to, to receive that information. And so really that's the first step. You know, it is, there is a fee associated with it. However, we do offer access to assessments through our doctoral program with our doctoral students who we train in this method. So there's opportunities for a range of economic needs um, within our lab. And really just reaching out to me and talking to me about that is the best way. And are these virtual or do they happen in person or is it a blend? Oh, great question. They typically happen virtually and they work well virtually. That said, if somebody in my town wanted one, I would be happy to meet with them at their home. This is something that can take place in either format, but they tend to happen virtually. Yeah. Okay. That's great. There's so much more that we could get into. We haven't really discussed micro schools and how they can support neurodivergent kids and how you work with individuals to help get those started and so many other aspects of your work. But I do want to ask for parents who have kids in a more traditional school setting who want their schools, the school administrators, the teachers, the people doing the IEPs to really shift their lens to seeing their kids through this more strengths-based approach. Do you have suggestions or ideas for how they can start to change the conversation with those people? 
Absolutely. So what I'm seeing in the results of these meetings with these with families with in these more conventional learning environments is I'm seeing a ton of the onus being put on the child to change, you know, child will do x x amount of time within this space of a few weeks or this space of a few months. And I just find that to be wholly inappropriate. Really, what we want to do is really what we're talking about with a twice exceptional child is positive niche construction. So what can we change in the environment and in the opportunities so that this child may be inspired in order to evolve this task that, you know, the adults in their life think that they should be better at? That might mean that there are opportunities for them to engage in their area of strength. So when doing blank thing that they love or are good at, they will make this choice that we are hoping that they will make in this number of times over this course of weeks or months, right? So I think getting that piece, fill in the blank, right? Getting that piece in the beginning of the goal is what you want. If you can advocate for that, then I think that that's the near halfway there. We talk about the least restrictive environment, right? Is your space universally designed for a variety of cognitive styles, right? Do you have, is movement available? Is breaks available? Is sensory control available through lighting and through hearing, you know, auditory? Is the environment set them up to succeed? And what changes can be made in the built environment so that they can be set up to succeed? So those are kind of two avenues, two ways in which you might be able to create more strength-boosted or strength-based goals in those meetings. Yeah, that's great. So if they have this information and they have a parents have a deeper understanding of their child's strengths, including those character strengths, then that information, and I always like to say that with an IEP, and I've heard this from guests who we've talked specifically about this, there's often a lot more room there than would be presented to us, right? And so to know that we can really push for and ask for these things is so helpful. And I love that language when doing this thing. So it's like what a parenting approach with our kids, when you do this, then this, but we can do that with our kids' schools as well. It makes so much sense. Absolutely. And so there are other services that we offer through the lab. The one we're most excited about is the assessments, but consulting about creating strength-based IEP goals is something that we do consultation around, as well as professional development for educators and for schools and learning environments that want to understand how to design the built environment so that these children can thrive. So we offer a variety of services through the lab, but assessments really are that front and center piece. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of this. I'm so happy to know that this exists. And I'll just give a shout out to Marna, who I've known for years, who is a student at Bridges as well. And she's been in the Tilt Parenting community for many years. And she's the one who shared. She's like, you got to talk to Jade. And I'm so glad that she did because this is exciting. It feels like a big step forward in fostering deeper understanding for these complex, fascinating humans. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And it's really fascinating sort of the cascade of change that can occur, you know, because we talk to teachers in these and they're like, 
and I was an educator for a long time as well. And I'm speaking to them in a partnership based fashion about what's possible in their classroom and in their school. And then they get jazzed, right? And then they go and talk to other teachers. And it's like the ripple effect is just endless in terms of positive change. So so yeah, absolutely. And Marna is one of my favorite people. And so definitely uh, shout out to Marna and sending her so much love. Yes, it's awesome. I started Tilt almost eight years ago now, and it's just wonderful and exciting to see how the conversation has changed even in those eight years. And you're a huge part of that. So thank you. Before we say goodbye, I'm, just listeners, I'm going to have notes in the show notes. I'll include links to the Strengths-Based Assessment Lab. Any last thoughts or last word for listeners? Yeah, I guess what I want to say is, is that any opportunity from something small for your child to demonstrate what they love and what they're good at, even through just conversation, is a deposit in the bank of their well-being. Anytime that you can facilitate that is time well spent. And sometimes that looks like something that you might not otherwise have recognized, right? That might be building with Lego, that might be on Minecraft, that might be playing with dolls or dress up or paper crafts or things like that. And so really noticing what your child loves to spend their time doing and creating more space so that they can do that more and expand upon that in a non-pressureful way right, is going to be time well spent. And so please, please do that. What a great note to end this on. Thank you. Thank you, Jade. I'm excited to continue to follow the work that you're doing. And I just appreciate everything you shared today. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. If you want to learn more about today's guest and the resources we talked about, you can always go to the extensive show notes page on tiltparenting.com. There you'll find key takeaways, links to all the resources that were discussed, and even a full transcript of our conversation. Just go to tiltparenting.com slash podcast and select this episode. The Tilt Parenting Podcast is hosted by me, Debbie Reber, author of the book Differently Wired and the founder of Tilt Parenting. And it was edited by my wonderful producer, Andrea Curtis Amasquita. If you want to support this show, please consider joining my Patreon campaign and making a small monthly contribution. Just go to patreon.com slash tilt parenting to learn more. If you want to follow tilt on social media, go to at tilt parenting on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, please take a minute to leave a five star rating or review on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts that helps the show stay visible so others can easily find it. Thanks so much. And that's all for this week. Stay safe, stay well and take good care. And for more information about any of the parenting resources Tilt offers, visit TiltParenting.com. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. 
We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.